Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 33 of Fadeless, a podcast devoted to the Supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting across parsecs of cyberspace. Yeah, just, but only a mere, probably like five miles of actual land. Yeah, as the uh, crow flies, and a crow would symbolically fit in Lost Girl. Would a crow fly this? uh, How you doing, Wayne? Do crows fly west to east? I don't know. Absolutely. I guess they could. Yeah. Just a crow might be flying this way. But yes, I am doing very well, Dave, before I go into more crow related nonsense. <laughs> uh, and we start talking about the Brandon Lee film. Oh, man. That was of the same name. That movie rocks. Soundtrack was amazing. That's like the, sequ- the sequel, not so much, yeah, but no, the first, yeah, one, the first great, one. But uh, yeah, poor Brandon so. Lee, man. But anyway, it's been a while. Uh, obviously, we've seen each other face to face quite a bit. But uh, yeah, we should like bring microphones with us to like lunch and stuff, and then then it wouldn't have to be so so big a a distance between podcasts. Uh, uh, trust me, it has been discussed, <laughs> and uh, you know we may end up yeah, doing that. It might not be too bad. It might be an idea. Uh, I know. We got our lunch mates in on, on the podcast, right? And then. Uh, you know, get some people to cover our jobs for us, and you know we're in good shape. So, uh, all right. Well, anyway, for me, uh, still consumed with Once Upon a Time, and you know, it's funny how there there are certain uh, uh, fairy tale, supernatural, fantasy elements that seem to you know that cross both Once Upon a Time world and Lost Girl world. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess when you're getting into kind of like mythology and folklore, you're going to have a lot of crossover there. I, I, that makes yeah. sense that that would be. Yeah, I mean, very similar in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, still a little bit of Andromeda. And uh, other than that, oh, did, well, I was actually a day behind, but you forgot to ask me if I saw oh, Arrow yeah. this week. Arrow this uh, Arrow which Supernatural. Ha- which I hadn't, week, but. Boss. Oh, man, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, really and, good. Uh, so. Yeah, that, I mean, that show is what about just you? so, it's so good. It's, I just, you know, it's like, I really, when I look at it, Critically, I'm like, is this like the most artistically resonant show? Like, well, not necessarily, but every episode is just awesome. I just love it. It's, you know, all the characters are really cool. The acting's good. Design's good. Special effects are good, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I've seen some criticisms that, well, they're, you know, that, that this is one show too many to use the flashback method of telling a story, but... I disagree. I, I think they do it well. I think they give you just a little bit each episode, just enough. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, right, just yeah. a little bit. They don't really prey on. They don't. They they have yet to devote a whole episode to a flashback. I don't think. That, oh no, and and but even even with Oliver on the island, I mean, he's still. I mean, he's he's taken that those first couple steps, but he's still. You know, he's still a neophyte. Right. And, and the idea is, we know how it ends up, so it's not like there's. There's no spoilers here. Right? I mean, it's just like, wow. we know what happens at the end. Oliver makes it yep. off the island. 
he's becomes yep. the arrow. You know, obviously there's a lot of stuff between what we're seeing now and then, but yeah, I, I love that seeing Oliver as the inexperienced little kind of wimpy rich kid, you know, and as he's gradually now we're seeing him more and more becoming the hood as they call it. You know? Yeah. Which I, I, you know, I didn't like that at first, but I, it's really grown on me. Yeah. No, I love that part of it. And I, well, I, and I think the reason, I, well, I mean, just the the the, the moniker, the hood. Oh, oh, yeah. And yeah. I guess the, and I guess the reason I didn't like it was because uh, Laurel's father, I think, is the one that you know, coined yeah, it. I'm starting, I'm starting to feel for him more. You know, like I, I like it with his disheveled hair and everything. Ah, uh, but what about like? Did you like Alex Kingston? Was that like really awkward? Her American accent. Um, and her hair being yeah, straight. Yeah, well, I think I've seen her with straight hair, like on ER, I think, or something. Something tells me I've seen her in something that she had straight hair, which that didn't okay. throw me as much as the American accent. And I'm just because she's like trying to speak in like a deeper voice and everything. I'm just like, why would you do that? Her voice is awesome. You know, know. just like let her speak in her natural voice. Who cares if she's British? The American people marry Britons. It happens. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, and and. You know, speaking of not to jump too far ahead, we've we've got a a very huge guest star coming up in Lost Girl next yeah. week. Yeah, oh, I've been waiting for this one for a long time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, I almost didn't want to watch the, the the preview, but it was so brief that yeah, I, I watched I, it I, twice I after the debacle of uh, "There's No Place Like Home" or "There's Bow Place Like Home." The catching the uh, the the preview for that, I I I, I once in. For forever and always, have renounced watching anything that comes after the credits. The minute I see Jay Firestone's name is bam. Fast forward to the end. So, well, anyway, so for our listeners tonight, uh, we're going to hit two episodes. We're going to hit episodes eight. Well, and we're not going to hit them. We're going to talk about them. We're, we're, we're a peace-loving show. Yes, we are. Good point. But, That'd be uh, rude. We still have that uh, that to come. So anything else you want to say before we check out a I little I would news? like to say that Being Human U.S. is awesome. I really love that show. Danielle is Cracker Jacks for dissing that show. It's Who? Yeah, it's this, this person who uh, I, I, I know vaguely um, who is, uh, is great with coming up with excuses and preventing us from talking about being human. Um, I'll introduce you to, but anyway, okay. okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, that show is, is just really, really, really good. I think you, you'll like it. Dave, you should, you should check yeah. it out. All right. Well, in the news this week, the third doctor's tenure on Dr. Who is up next on the schedule for BBC America's year long. The doctors revisited. And, and as you and many of the listeners already know, uh, you know, they're, they're going back and revisiting one by one each doctor's tenure uh, in anticipation of the 50th anniversary. So to look back at the John Pertwee era, BBC America's chosen the first story, Spearhead from Space. And back in the day, they were generally four or six part serials uh, that would be one long story that would spread out over. Right, which it really throws to, me for a loop on Netflix because like, you're like, oh, look, the Doctor Who It's like, you know. A half hour long, and then, but no, it's like six half hour episodes or something. You're like, what? Yeah. yeah so, but I, I kind of like it. But, but yeah, anyway, well, so actually, the four part. The, the John Pertwee, because I, I actually started watching like the very first one, and 
uh, David Tennant does a little shout out to John Pertwee. I think, you know, when I think David Tennant um, first becomes a doctor and they land in London and they open the door and he kind of flops out. Uh-huh. That's exactly what John Pertwee does. Uh-huh. And so, like, you know, like I did, totally didn't know that the first time I saw that because I had not seen it yet. But I went back and watched John Pertwee's first one. And like, oh, because it's like exact movement. Just the, the door opens and he just collapses out of the door. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, this four-part serial is going to air Sunday, March 31st, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, and features the doctor in his first battle with the Autons. And it's going to be preceded by a special looking back at the third doctor's era. Spearhead from Space is the only classic series to be filmed completely on film. It's had two DVD releases set to get the Blu-ray treatment later this summer. And we don't know yet what version the BBC is actually going to air. So... We've got that to look forward cool. to. Now, in X, in X-Files news, uh, Is there sort such of, a thing? Well, not really, but Gillian uh, Anderson returning to television. According to TV Guide, the actress is going to star in an untitled pilot for NBC in which she'll play a CEO named Meg Fitch, whose daughter and daughter's classmates are taken prisoner. Uh, the show's going to center on a vast conspiracy, comes to involve some of the most pow- powerful people in Washington, Rachel Taylor of ABC's ill-fated 666 Park Avenue is going to star on the show uh, as Meg's sister, and she's in charge of the operation to find her niece and her niece's classmates. Um, so, you know, Julian Anderson, I'm going to at least give it a give it a look, uh, but it's on NBC, so who knows? I, I do hear NBC does have a good show coming up in a couple of weeks called Revolution, and apparently it's, a couple it's, of it's days. Uh, you know, in, in the it's future, a couple of days. Yeah, so so that might be yeah, worth we'll checking check out. out. I, I heard there was a, a show very similar to it on a couple months ago that got uh, got canceled. Oh, okay. I think it was also called Revolution. Hmm. Well, I still may check it out. <laughs> I know, but so, uh, while actually while you're talking about that, Tracy Spiridakos was in Being Human U.S. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, she plays a uh, a pure blood werewolf, and she and her twin brother. Um, show up to kind of uh, wreak havoc and everything. So, yeah, it was really good. She was on uh, probably like three, four episodes. She was good, good part of uh, of season two she was in. And she was really good, you know. It was obviously before the, the revolution days, but right before because then, right. you know, like spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, don't listen, but, you know, they kill her off. Uh, oh, no, actually, they haven't killed her off, but she just she's not in the show anymore. Like she, all of a sudden she's like, you know, like, out there somewhere like her dad comes looking for her and everything like ah where is she i don't know and uh so yeah you know obviously it's because she got the revolution gig and she was like all right see ya all right all right well lastly we've got the the title and theme for american horror stories third season coven oh i guess i guess we know that's uh which is uh yeah, Ryan Murphy's going to be taking the regular American Horror Story cast and a few new faces down to New Orleans where there'll be plenty of magic to happen. And, and you know, as a, you know, a place for this type of story, I couldn't pick a better place than New Orleans. I mean, maybe Haiti. Yeah, right. You know, but not but, enough English uh, speakers there probably, so. Yeah, good point. So Yeah, New Orleans, I, that, that, I mean, that sounds really good. I'm just, I'm so annoyed that... Like I got into American Horror Story like kind of lateish, and that yeah you know, like Asylum was pretty much like almost all the way done by the time you know I, I got 
turned on to that. So now I have to like kind of wait, I guess, till the DVD comes out to, you know, or it's on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Or I could just pony up and get it on Amazon, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I just cashed in a hundred dollar gift card on Amazon or just activated. Didn't cash it in yet. Just was kind of noodling around to see what I might want to order. Yeah. I'm sitting on like a hundred. I got like, I got like 150, 200 bucks on Amazon. I don't even know what to, I don't, I don't know what to do with such riches. Well, you know what I do? I just keep looking for, you know, when they have, there's certain things I, I look for because my X-Files collection's not complete. Uh, actually, isn't? my Battlestar Well, Galactica. you know what? You could just get Netflix and it's on there and you don't have to, then your, yeah. your, your, your collection would be know, complete. Been, <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, uh, well, that's all the news I have. You got anything yeah, to well, add? I just, you know, now you remind me about the Amazon thing. This is kind of news, but no one else in the world cares about this. But guess what? Uh, both of my sons want, because we give them like a little something for Easter, like a little present. So what both uh, both boys want for Easter? Um, Continuum DVD season one. That would one. be pretty cool. <laughs> but they actually both want sonic screwdrivers. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I like it. Because they already have lightsabers, right? Well, they kind of actually. I mean, sad to say, and I really am truly sad to say, is they've they've outgrown the lightsabers. Um, and their their little cousin was here a couple months ago. He was two years old, and he was loving the lightsabers. But we had I had to like dig, I had to like find them. They haven't had the lightsabers out in years. But when they were little, they had them out constantly. You know, so now they've moved on from lightsabers, and and they're into the uh, sonic screwdrivers now. Oh, nice! Which is pretty All cool. Right. All right. All right, well, listen, now we're going to take a look at Project X, where Wayne's going to tell us the intricacies of this week's phase of the week. I will, as soon as I scroll down to it. Luckily, I have a Mac, and that can happen quickly. All right, here we go. So, most of the, the Project X, actually all the Project X this week, are really from uh, Phage Against the Machine, which, by the way, awesome name, awesome title. So, um, the uh, from Ceremony, uh, really, if, if we were to talk about anything, we would talk about the you know, Joseph Campbell's monomyth and the hero cycle and everything. But we've kind of talked about that a, a lot, maybe even ad nauseum, some people would say. Um, so I'll kind of like, uh, you know, detract from really going much into that. Well, you know, if we talk about the monomyth, it'll, you know, come up during the natural conversation of the episode. But um, in Fage Against the Machine, we have a Spriggan. And Spriggans are... Ugly, grotesque creatures. Now, it's funny because almost everything I found about the Spriggan, like, not really applied to the Spriggan we actually saw. Yeah, well, like, even when you look at the historic nature of the succubus, it's generally a, you know, a hag-like creature right. that appears in the dream. And the modern interpretation has been more like both. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, succubus, you think like sex and, you know, and, mm. you, know you can't. You're not really sell if you got like you know like you know. Right. So we've got a rather <laughs> dapper. You, we've got a rather dapper Spriggan. <laughs> Thank you for breaking in there. I uh, paid myself in the corner there a little bit. But anyway, so the Spriggan, yeah, he's dapper. He's an ugly or grotesque. There actually is one, uh, some park in London. Like this artist actually did a sculpture of a Spriggan, like kind of poking out from a a um, 
an entranceway or something like that. So anyway, but they're, they're supposed to be very clever and they're dangerous thieves. Uh, they're often like, kind of like bodyguards, like they, they're guarding some kind of treasure and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, like they're guarding some treasure mounds. And this guy was kind of like, a, he was a bounty hunter, though. So, I mean, really, everything I found on Spriggins does not at all apply to the, the one in Lost Girl. And so I, I was kind of wondering why they even called him a Spriggan in the first place, because, you know, this didn't really seem Spriggan-ish. Yeah. Anyway. So that's Spriggan. The squad, okay. though, is interesting because it comes kind of from our neck of the woods a little bit. It comes from the Hemlock Forest of northern Pennsylvania. Now, you know, Maryland is southern Pennsylvania, but that's not far from us. So if we wanted to find a squonk, we, we'd only have to drive, like, three hours, and we could find okay. one. Well, we'd probably have to, like, look around a lot. Yeah. But uh, probably forever because they don't exist. But anyway, I'm sure we could. I'm sure we could find one in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so the uh, the creature's skill is supposed to be ill-fitting and covered with warts and other blemishes. And our squonk here was not covered with warts and blemishes. He's a normal-looking kid, uh, but it does hide from plain sight. Spends much of his time weeping, and certainly we saw the squonks uh, weeping. Um, <clears throat> I love this. This is great. So this guy, right, is supposed to have captured a squonk, right? Okay. And he put it in his bag, but when it's carried, he was carrying it home, and all of a sudden it lightened, and there was only water inside his bag. So clearly, oh, and he had a squonk. Right? <laughs> he didn't right, just go to the river bring and that... fill up a bag with water. <laughs> he... Right, they bring that. Well, they bring that concept up, right? If you take her against her will. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Which, which this this did translate in, into the show that you know, if you try to take her against her will, that she'll turn into. Just uh, liquefy, um, but yeah, I just I, I like picture this guy going back and saying, "Really, it was it was a squonk, I tell you, a squonk. <laughs> it's not just a bag of water, I promise." Yeah, like uh, that's just crazy. Yeah, anyway, so but what I thought also was uh, unique was that the squonk has a scientific name. Uh, it's a uh, lacrimancorpus dissolvens. With uh, lacra is is Latin for for tears and corpus body and dissolves dis- dissolve. So the tears body dissolve is the uh, Latin word for uh, squonk, which is funny okay. because they came with a Latin word for something that doesn't exist, which was good. Oh. So the last thing, and this is the part I'm actually looking forward to, is talking about this idea of the wanderer because that is huge, right? In um, in this. So there's, there's really two main literary references that I, I could remember that as relating to the Wanderer. Um, and there is an Anglo-Saxon elegiac poem called The Wanderer. It's just basically about a guy who goes out on the sea. He's a sailor and he goes out in the sea and uh, on all on his own. Um, it says like, uh, so the earth stepper spoke mindful of hardships of fierce slaughter, the fall of kin. Oft must I alone, the hour before dawn, lament my care. Among the living, none now remains to whom I dare my inmost thoughts clearly reveal. I know it for truth. It is in a warrior noble strength to bind fast his spirit, guard his wealth chamber, think what he will. So, and then often wretched with cares, deprived of homeland, far from kin, fastened with fetters. You know, just this guy goes on. It's a pretty long poem. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it goes on and on along the same lines of it's just, you know, it's, it's a bitch to be a wanderer and out there on your own. Um, but, 
Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff in there about like being kind of like you know dep- deprived of hope, and uh, you know I think that I mean I, I'm totally I'm I'm positive that the Wanderer is is Bo's dad. Okay, you know because the little bit that I read, there seemed to be a connection between the Wanderer and the Fool, and. You know, and and in terms of you know, not a fool like you know the the contemporary meaning of the word, like a but, joker kind of. Well, and, and and but also inexperienced and and you know trying to find the way her way or his way, obviously is yeah. which is what Bo's doing. Yeah, but, well, uh, that, that could, yeah, I think I guess there's the two sides of it because yeah, you do have the wanderer who's wandering because you know. They're, they're, as you said, they're inexperienced and, and they're out there on the line trying to find their way. Or you have the wanderer, like in this, this poem, uh, where who is older and experienced and world weary and just basically had it with everything. You know, and just uh, where, where life is a huge misery. And there's this big, like, tide of Christianity with the wanderer because. You know, this is like, like God's trial, and this is like the the ideal Christian who suffers and and, and you know just looks on to the the life to come and doesn't look for uh, happiness or reward in in this life and things like that. Um, yeah, you know, which kind of raises an interesting point. You know that that most cultures have some sort of a deity, and this I don't think this is something you and I've talked about, but. You know, in the Fey community, whether light or dark, we really haven't. There hasn't been any talk of any kind of a deity, right? Correct? No, I don't think so. Do they even like have, have they like even there hasn't even been like a Christmas celebration or something like that, right? Because sometimes you right. get like supernatural yeah. shows. Well, like Harry Potter, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's always the weird thing that they always celebrate Christmas and like the the. I'm, I'm like, are they are they Christians? Because they're like kind of witches and warlocks, and and so there's 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 really no religion in there, but yet they still always celebrate Christmas in Harry Potter. Yeah, so it's just yeah. I'm not, it's neither here nor there. I'm just saying it's kind of like I always kind of found that uh, you know notable, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, that's some good well, stuff. Well, I got one more thing because this is okay. Actually, well, uh, you know, I'm a big uh, W. B. Yeats fan, and one of my uh, favorite of his poems is the song of "Wandering Angus." Um, and there was a part. Where is it? Um, oh, okay. The last stanza of the poem. It's much shorter than uh, the wanderer. It says, "Though I'm old with wandering through hollow lands and hilly, in hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone." And kiss her lips and take her hands and walk among long dappled grass and pluck till time and times are done. The silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun. So I thought there with that mention of trying to find a woman and everything, that's like, ah, oh, that's that's a pretty strong tie in there with with Lost Girl. Because obviously this wanderer is coming for Bo. You know, it's like, I'm pretty sure it's her dad. Yeah. And he's coming for Bo. Yeah. So, you know. Is that your prediction? That that is my prediction. But I, you know, I mean, I feel I'm I'm I feel a little dirty making that prediction. Cause I think it's right. I mean, that's isn't that obvious? I think it's obvious. Maybe it's not. Uh, yeah, you're, maybe. You're gonna challenge that? <laughs> no. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I don't I don't think it's as uh, as soft a choice as you maybe are okay. implying. But anyway, I will uh, I will get at least links to both of those poems onto Facebook Toot Sweet. Uh, so you can, but yeah, you know, I would, they're, they're both great. Song of Wandering Angus is, I mean, W. Yates was a straight up genius, you know, like, so you should definitely, 
uh, check out that poem. It's a great poem. Uh, oh, and the last thing, actually, there was one more thing I realized because with that last, um, that last picture that, that trick pulls up, that obviously has something to do, we assume, with, with Bo's dad. And it's like a horse with wings. It's breathing fire, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I Googled like fire breathing winged horse. And the closest thing I came up with, I think it's an Atheon or an Athon, Athon. Right. Which are the the horses that uh, dr- uh, draw uh, the Ares, the guy of war's chariot, and they're they're fire breathing wing. I think wing. I'm not sure they're winged or that. But they're fire breathing horses. So as Meatloaf says, two out of three ain't bad, right? I maybe didn't get wing, but yeah. fire breathing. I got fire breathing. I got a horse. So Athons. I don't know. Could it be? I'm just. I don't know. Take a shot. Possibly. Yep. So all right. That's that's, right. that's 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 all I got there for Project X. All right. Well, we want to introduce uh, a new segment tonight, and hopefully we'll be able to have something to talk about on a consistent basis, but some listener feedback. Listener, listener feedback. feedback. Yeah, yeah, baby. So we received a couple of feedback, really... Feedback, uh, feedback, okay. feedback. Dude, that's like they did the Fringe podcast, right? Yeah, well, I've got. I like that song. Oh, do you? Uh, Okay. Well, you probably would have played it by now, right? Because you say we have feedback, and then you play it, and then you probably maybe you keep in my my song. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Anyway. we received a couple of really great emails uh, from Sally Heaven, and we're just going to read the first one tonight. uh, And we'll save the. It was great. I mean, it's like she's worth like like ten other listeners. Yeah. Uh, like because yeah, really, and, and and you know, you and I have talked that that my philosophy has always been to not read what's out there on the internet before you know you and I podcast. Yeah, especially but the stuff guess, about us. Right, <laughs> <laughs> but of late, you know, I guess I've just been interested to see what's being said out there, and and I'm continually amazed with how astute a lot of the lost girl. Viewers really are, and 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 Sally's no different. So anyway, uh, hi Dave and Wayne. Just finished listening to your podcast on the Kenzie scale. Spot on as always. Well, except for one thing, which might be personal preference or opinion as opposed to accuracy about what happened in the episode. I don't think we can count out the Bo Lauren relationship for the long term. Having just watched all Lost Girl episodes in a two week span, I noticed consistency in Bo's behavior toward Lauren in nearly every episode. Bo really seems to be both totally in love with Lauren and a little bit in awe of her. Bo's reaction to seeing Lauren or receiving a call from her has been consistent. She lights up, her voice softens, she tells her that she takes her breath away, etc. This is really different from how she's behaved toward Dyson when they were hot and heavy and toward anyone else she's been linked with, like Ryan or any of the ladies. So, you know, before we go on with with the rest of Sally's uh, email, I mean... I think what she says is is definitely true, and I'm not, you know, I can't honestly say that I picked up on a lot of those nuances uh, that she points out. But I guess what I would say is that, you know, the the relationship with Dyson really was more, uh, no pun intended, but animalistic. Yeah. Well, I mean, it you know. started. I mean, they they jumped each other in the pilot. Right. And we said right. back then, it's like too soon. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know what, when I, I read that, I was like, you know what? You know, I, I, I didn't pick up on the idea, but she's right. You know, I mean, she's totally right. That's like, uh, you know, Bo really does, um, 
light up. Whenever she answers the phone, it's Lauren. She, her, her voice gets higher. Her tone changes. So, yeah, there, there's no question. Now, but then again, well, you know, like what I said about as for short term and long term is I think, um, you know, the, as the short term being the short term of a, a human being's life as opposed to a phase, right? And so when, when uh, Dice is like, I'll just ride this out, I, you know, what I, my theory is he, he's thinking just, I'll just wait till Lauren dies. It might be yeah. 50 years from now, but that's, that's a drop in the bucket compared to we found out here he's been alive for 1,500 years, right? So, right. I mean, for, you know, that's, that's a, only a third of his life right now. Well, I'm not so convinced it'll even even by human standards whether it's going to be uh, long term, and we'll and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Why I think that. Um, all right, so she goes on. I think that Bolo, and I think uh, Bo actually does Bo coin that or does Lauren? I forget. <laughs> I forget which one does. But uh, Bolo has some inherent imbalances that have to be addressed over time for the relationship to thrive. And I, again, I couldn't agree more. Lauren's highly educated, while Bo didn't finish high school. Bo's a big deal in the Fay world with a lot in store, which obviously we, we've seen even more since uh, Sally wrote this email. Apparently, while Lauren is essentially powerless in the Fay world unless someone wants something from her, not to mention the whole lifespan difference, which you just mentioned. But I mean, I guess from my perspective, you know, even that without even getting into the, the whole Bo's a succubus and by nature is... Uh, you know, multisexual or pansexual or, or whatever, um, you know, that, that uh, she, Lauren is relatively powerless in the fake community. And you, and you see a lot of these little uh, you know, things from people like Trick, from Stella that, you know, about, you know, not Lauren in particular, but about humans. Yeah. Not yeah, fitting well, mostly in. directed at Kenzie, to be fair, right? Rather yeah. Than Lauren. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now, since happy relationships generally make for duller TV, I Bingo. suspect that Bolo will probably break up at some point, but I think the writers have laid a lot of groundwork for this relationship to endure for the long term. One comment from Wayne in this podcast caught my attention. Well, Lauren's not a very good doctor. I mean, really, why'd you say that? Well, I probably... <laughs> you probably didn't. That was me. <laughs> I, yeah, I uh, totally Sally. didn't say that at all. That was, that was, yeah. that was all you, um, man. Yeah. So anyway, she says, but, uh, this as, is a joke. As we talk about, like, the, when I, I always go and listen back to the podcast after you post it, and I was listening to that, and when you said that, I was, and I didn't respond to it, I was like, why, why did I respond? And then I, I don't even remember you saying that. So I think it, what is one of those cases where I was like, uh, you know, kind of like looking for something on the computer or on the internet or something while you were talking and had kind of like zoned out. Because I, I, normally I would jump all over something like that, and I don't know why I didn't. It was it was actually kind of awkward when I listened to it. I'm like, oh, that's that's a very awkward like moment there. I should have said something, but yeah. Well, well, she says, was this a joke, or do you really think she's not a very good doctor? And it was kind of a joke. We were well, it was talking not kind about of a joke. It was a joke. I mean, you, I, yeah, I mean, she's coming so much because it really wasn't funny. But <laughs> it was like, <laughs> but it, you were speaking Thanks. ironically. You were you were you were being sarcastic. You you, you didn't. Yeah, you I didn't mean, she's checking. She's a bad. You're just like, yeah, you're you're. Right. Who's what was the who? No, I can't remember what body. Well, was, it's, the, it's the because body she, when um, she was checking to see not whether the, the whether the, he was the dead, but whether he was fey. Right. Right. Oh, right. 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 And we were this this whole debate about like because at first I thought that 
you know, that she had checked to see whether she was dead or not. And then actually she just checked if she was where she was Faye. And you're like, oh, well, she's a bad doctor. And, and you know, it's a joke. I should have jumped. Out. I should have said something. I didn't. So yeah. it's my well, B. Yeah. Well, anyway, she's, she goes on and says, wondering if you guys like or dislike the character and like or dislike the Bolo relationship. Some of the other Lost Girl commenters I follow are all docubus all the way, so I'm just curious. Not really trying to convince you otherwise, interested in your opinion, the reasons behind it. And obviously you and I have talked, and we've, we've read a lot of the chatter that's going on in the docubus uh, community, and, and uh, you know, when we get to episode nine, uh, obviously there's a, a lot for you know, some of the viewers to not be too happy about. Oh, but they, anyway, I, what you know, they would. Yeah. It must have been out of their minds with that first scene with like, you know, you know, Bo and Dyson and like, I'm pregnant. Like, uh, just, I'm just like, oh, Docubus is blowing up right now, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as the character of, of Lauren, I mean, I, I think for me, I've kind of vacillated on her in that I've gone from really liking her in season one and, and even into season two, uh, seeing her as a strong character that's, you know, again, basically being held against her will, um, you know, in, in bondage to the ash, uh, but at the same time, uh, risking her life, uh, you know, a, a, you know, really a brilliant doctor. I mean, you know, she was not trained in medical school to deal with all this uh, fey physiology. So she's had to, you know, come up with all of this on her own. But, you know, there are just some things and in, in and the relationship with Bo, look, I'm fine. I have no problem with two women being together. Kind of like it. Um, but it, just the dynamic sometimes, it's just that I don't, I don't – and maybe it's, it's a natural way that, that, you know, people are. I mean, I guess in, in you know, male-female relationships, maybe you have, uh, you know, the same sort of dynamic. But, but it's almost just – there's something about how she – I don't know, it is, I guess, the deferential treatment towards Bo. Well, know. I think she nailed it when she said that, you know, just basically on TV, and, and I said this last podcast, I mean, for the, the hero, relationships are freaking boring, right? Yeah. Like, I am in a stable relationship, right? But I don't want to watch that on TV. If someone had a camera on me, they'd be bored out of their mind, and that show would get canceled after, like, two minutes, right? So yeah. when we watch TV, like, we, we, we watch TV because we don't want to see a reflection of ourselves. We want to see something else. We want to see something grander. And so we want to see a hero that is independent, basically. And that's why I, yeah. that's why I was very critical of the Dyson relationship. I thought it was awful. I thought both characters sucked when they're in that relationship, quite frankly. And so I am, you know, I, I, I honestly, what do I want? I want to see Bo on her own. I want to see Bo being independent, her and Kenzie going off and having adventures, you know, and, 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 and that's, that's just it. I mean, that's just like the way it is. Like you look at not just television, but just literature from throughout history, you know, like, sure. The the hero needs to be independent, has to go off on his or her own. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and I guess for me, part of the reason I think and have said that I think it's a relationship that's, that's doomed from the start is that, again, unless – and I again, I'm not 
trying to be facetious here, unless we have something that's developed like True Blood, uh, you, you didn't watch. I haven't True seen Blood, one right? episode of True Blood. Then. Well, basically, the, the premise is in this in you know in in this world, they have synthetic blood that comes in cans, so that the vampires go and buy a six pack of True Blood, and they drink now, that. Aiden could use that right now because he's hurting. Okay, so in, in, in less something happens to, to give Bo some sort of synthetic feed. I mean, she's a succubus. Like, it, it's she just a box. that chia pipe. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. But but that's that's my. I mean, that's really the single driving factor in my thinking that the relationship between Bo and Lauren is yeah. doomed. Is that you know it, it's that. Um, you know, I, I like Lauren. Uh, they're great together, but I just don't see it. And and, you know, and again, we we keep seeing, and and we'll talk a little bit about it in the next two episodes. You know, these you know reactions that Bo has towards Lauren. That you know, I mean, look, we all say mean things to people we love, right? Sure. Well, not me. Ever. But I th- no. no. Well, but I think I think we I say fewer. But if I say them, I get in trouble. Well, yeah, you're you're clearly smarter than I am. Um, but I mean, at the beginning of the relationship, we're all we're always on good behavior, right? So, yeah. well, uh, but it's it's not quite the beginning of the relationship because they've known each other for three years now, right? And yeah, true. But, um, yeah, I, listen, I mean, I, you know, like I I totally get why there's a, a lot of people who are very excited about this relationship between uh Bo and Lauren and you know here we have a um a, a serious show a drama that has a uh a lesbian relationship here and it's it's not a you know like a normal relationship right like girlfriend relationship not not as a kind of just a you know for friends with benefits type relationship or something like that so here's a, a mature sure. relationship between two same-sex adults, and it's not being treated as a joke or, you know, like it's not a sitcom, it's a serious show. So I, you know, I get it. I see how, how that is significant and why people would care and want to see that fostered. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, like the showrunners also have to have the ability to, to take the direction they want to go with the show and, and, and without, like, political concerns, you know, basically. Right. Um, I don't want to say it's, it's just politics, but I'm just saying, like, you know, just say this is where we want the story to go for the sake of the story and and, and, and without, you know, without outside concerns and everything. So, yeah. And, and, and maybe I'm being naive. I just I find it hard to believe that sci-fi is pressuring, you know, the Lost Girl showrunner and writer uh, to you know, to back off of that relationship. Yeah. Uh, that, I never thought writers, about that. I don't, right. But, I mean, well, that's, that's being said. And, and the only other thing I would hope that, you know, that, that people would reconsider uh, that, you know, should they break Lauren and Bo up? Keep watching the show. It's a great show. I mean, that's one aspect of the show. And, and like you said, I get that it's important to a lot of people, but it's a great show even without that. True that. So, all right, um, Sally, thank you so much. We're going to get to the second part of your email next time. And 
But just, Sally, we will be assured that it was Dave who made that rude comment about Lauren and, and not me. Yes. I take the blame. So, all right. Well, on to the episode discussion, and we're going to do episode eight first and episode nine after, which kind of makes sense. So, episode eight, season three, yeah. as you mentioned uh, before, an awesome title, Phage Against the Machine. Yeah, yeah, I got it pub. Uh, written by Alexandra Zarani. And directed by George Mihalka, who did Scream a Little Dream and Phase Wide Shut. And Alexandra right. has so, also uh, written before, but for some reason I didn't write down what shows she had written. Okay. Well, like you said, you know, in a sense, and I think we were talking about this the other day, it's in a sense, it's, it's the last three episodes, it's almost been like a trilogy that lead up to the dawning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in this one, uh, you know, we see uh, Bo training with Stella and having a really difficult time as the season opens and she's failing. And, you know, we find out that, that you know, we find out little bits and pieces, uh, again, along the way about the dawning, something that we all have to go through. There's something about being given an invitation to enter the temple. And it's all very vague. And, and what we later find out, it's all kind of vague to Trick and Stella. I mean, they know the invitation's going to be presented. They just don't know in what form. Right. And was it? Did, did Sally say that you know, it was uh, remind her of like Star Wars with the uh, the blindfold and everything? Oh, that's that's in her second okay. email. Because I was yeah. I was totally like thought that as well. But I, you know, give credit where credit was due because she did say that. But that, that is so like you know like Obi Wan and, and Luke on the the Millennium Falcon in, in the first Star Wars movie. You know, where he's got the the blast shield over the the helmet and he, he can't see it and like, just use your feelings, yo. Totally. I love it when they make Star Wars references. It's awesome. Bow in a blindfold in the opening scene reminded me of Luke Skywalker learning to use the force when he was doing lightsaber training. Yeah. Bo's at a similar beginning place in her training. I wonder if that was the intentional nod by the writers. And that's Sally. It's totally, and, I, totally and, and when I read that, I thought, Wayne is going to go yeah. crazy. Well, I already thought in a good that, way. Man. In a good I way. I already thought that, of course. So if, if it has anything to do with Star Wars, I'm there. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, they, uh, I completely 100% agree. I think it's totally done purposefully. It's supposed to be very uh, reminiscent of that, that scene from Star Wars. No question. Yeah. Well done, Sally. Um, yep. So, um, you know, there, there's this strange machine that's sitting there, and, and you can't help but notice it looks like some sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of mutant Rube Goldberg machine that, uh, you know, Bo... As she's leaving, you know, once she's told that, you know, you can have the rest of the day off from your training and she is just playing with the dial. I believe she is she talking to Lauren on the phone? Uh, yes. I, yeah, she, I, she's okay. talking to Lauren and then she uh, just kind of turns the dial like kind of, uh, you know, without thinking about it and everything. Right. And and sets it in motion. And, you, you know, as, as we get through the episode, it's almost as if that's what was meant to happen. Anyway. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I. I, I didn't realize this was a thing until this year, but like it's it's very it's a steampunk uh, machine, totally. Yeah, you know, and I I'd, I'd never heard of that until this year, and then all of a sudden, like the, the kids are like, oh yeah, this, you know, like I saw a kid with like this whole steampunk like comic book like book. I'm like, what what, what in the world is that? And uh, they explained to uh, me. I'm like, oh okay, I've I've seen that. I recognize that. I just didn't realize it had a name. Yeah, there's a great episode in the Guild. Where they go to a uh, steampunk convention, oh, yeah. 
I gotta uh, get back in the guild. I, I I just watched like season one, and and uh, my wife. And I, well, here's why I have watched because my wife and I watch it together, and oh. and so and as naturally happens, uh, she we just we stop watching things because she starts falling asleep at like eight o'clock. Okay. So. I got, I got to get it. I got that. You can't fall asleep yet. We got to watch more Guild. It's funny. Yeah. So, all right. Now, here's, you know, again, I guess one of the things, okay, maybe, you know, the Lauren's reaction while she's telling Bo about the award, I don't know. Again, a little over the top for my taste. And in fact, Bo asks her if she's on crack. Um, <laughs> But she but is gay. The I, Moses Gombers Distinguished Award for Outstanding Contribution in the Field of Free Radicals. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> and she beat out and, Michael Schnood. Yeah. Uh, which, actually, I did like that line, the way, and the way she delivered that line was, was yeah, awesome. Yeah, kind of like how I did, right? But, you like yeah. that? Um, but so anyway, so it's at that point. I'm, you know, you're probably going to say, oh, how could, how could you think that? But I'm thinking like, okay, this will be cool. Bo will get to go to the ceremony with her and, and, you know, we'll see Lauren get this award. But obviously that's. Exactly. How could you think that? Not, because you know, as, soon as, right. she, as soon as she said, oh, I'm going to be award and you're going to be there, right? Oh yeah, I'll definitely be there. I'm like, there's no way she's going to be there. Yeah. But, you know, what I did like though is, and, and obviously uh, we, we, we know that I think the world of Tamsin, she shows up, tells Bo, I got to take you to lunch because everybody's been lying to you. Yeah. So. Tomato juice, celery, vodka, looks like lunch. Yep. <laughs> kind of the overarching uh, question becomes over the next two episodes, why is Tamsin helping her? Right. I mean, heretofore, right. Tamsin has been here to try to, you know, get information to incriminate her, to imprison her. And basically put her but, away. But you know, but we saw last episode where she she broke her out. Not last, uh, the one before that, um, when Tamsin's the only one who believes Bo. Like everyone's right. like, "Oh, Bo's killing again, and everything." And Tamsin's totally wants to bust her for that, but she's the one who takes Bo out of prison and, and yeah. leads her to Kenzie. And that we, she's doing the same thing here, and it's right. awesome. But I can't help. But I can't help thinking that it's a long con. Ooh, you know? really? Well, I, I don't oh, know. I, 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 never, I, I didn't really think about that. I, I Honestly, I have not even considered that at all. I mean, at the end of the episode, you know, right when they're, when they're drinking the champagne in Lauren's apartment, and Bo tells her that, you know, I was wrong about you. You're one of the good ones. And Tam says, you really do suck yeah. at reading people. Well, I think I, I chalked it up to Tamsin thinks that she's a very bad person and she okay. doesn't like herself okay well i you agree know? with that yeah. um but that's interesting what you say that that is some kind of she's playing the long game here that that's interesting that that's 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 totally a possibility you know because uh all the although on the other hand when i do make my prediction you'll tell me that i'm contradicting myself so but yeah, but we'll hold off on that. All right. So anyway, she you know she takes her to a dark fay bar, and Bo comment you know that well, geez, this seems like uh, looks pretty much like a light fay bar with uh, I forget what she says with more something. But, yeah, more uh, something. <laughs> right. The guy confronts her about being unaligned. Spriggan motions for them to leave. Tamsin you know slugs the guy and they get away. Um, 
but Bo shakes his hand and tells him just, you know, offhandedly, I owe you one. And unfortunately, as Tamsin's shaking her head, I can't believe you said yeah, that. She's like, yeah. uh. Right. Right. So he's got to retrieve something for her. Well, obviously, we find out that this is all part of, uh, you know, the, the invitation. So. Right. But know, it, was, go it, was, on a it little... was cool because when at the end they finally are like, uh, you know, like, oh, well, this is your invitation. Like, I didn't see that at all. You know, yeah. I well, well, actually, it's the machine, right? Don't doesn't. But but that the fact that that Balzac was tied into it, like, because you just think the the machine is somehow controlling things, right? And right. that 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 Balzac is just kind of part of the the game, but not he doesn't necessarily know he is. You know, like just right. like right because working itself. Well, right because I mean I I, I do genuine genuinely believe that he wanted to rescue. Uh, oh, yeah, Hannah. Totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that, you know, that was kind of the little subtext to that storyline and, and that, but he was being used as part of her. Right. Yeah. That's, you know. that's exactly it. Like you're thinking that like he's being used as, as part of this, of the whole play. And then at, at the end, like he knew he was part of it the whole time or, or he, you know, he maybe even engineered it. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Now I'm going to throw out my really right now that, you know, when he gets shot with the little poison dart in the oh, arm. Yeah. I think that was my really he, too. Well, he's grabbing his arm, grabbing his arm. It's like, dude, just pull the dart out. <laughs> you know, it's only like eight inches above where you're holding your arm. But anyway, um, the other interesting thing, you know, that machine, we, we see early on that it seems to be connected to, you know, who we later learned to be Hannah, you know, sort of like some sort of remote viewing device, which is, you know, very cool. Yeah, well, that was um, like that was really disturbing at first because you, know, you like you see the machine, and then like it pans back, and then you know then all of a sudden there's Hannah there, and she's got like you, all we see is a a kid with like tubes tied up, with, and she's crying. That's like oh yeah, that's yeah, and it, yeah, that's and it really was pretty yeah, well, it really was pretty nasty yeah. looking. Um, but the other interesting thing was Trick and Stella were set to go out on a date. Right. And and she realizes that the machine's already been set in motion and that Bo's not there to play, so the next closest blood relative who is Trick has to play for her and she you know, she mentions that, you know, any decision she would make would have been inherited from you, so you should be able to Yeah, so but what's what's that like it calls into question, like so she was supposed to just sit at this machine and play the game? Whereas she goes out of real life, like, like, are, it's almost like that was how it's supposed to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I was just going to say with, yep. with her out there in the real world and trick kind of like, you know, but, but then, then there is, where's the causality here is trick causing right. her to do these things or is it the, you know, it's just, there's, there's all kinds of weird ethical and philosophical implications here. Well, obviously one of the, overarching themes is also the whole thing about choice. And, and, you know, we've had that from, from day one where Bo doesn't want to make a choice. And occasionally it does occur to me that her refusal to make a choice, you know, is a choice. Can it, Well, it is a choice, but I also see it as a weakness. Um, you know, yeah, I, mean, it, I mean, I get, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, we, we definitely see that in, in the ceremony episode, uh, 
where she's at a huge disadvantage because she refuses to take a side. Yeah. But um, on the other hand, he, she sticks by her guns. Yeah, which is what which well, is which is great. I, that's you know what has always endeared her to me as, as a hero is that she's she's always completely true to herself. You know, yeah. despite what she you know might be the more prudent um, way to go. I mean, she just never sells out. No, I agree with that. Um, now, the, you know, in terms of choices there were you know obviously trick had to make choices but the one time his choice is to take both levers and put them down yeah that, that was that was great he's thinking outside the box there right yeah yeah and I, I, and, again, and I, which is what also Bo did right because she's right. facing down the gunman in front of her and she's just like oh no i'm gonna stab right behind me because i know you know like taking take it outside the box both both ways. So, all right. Well, they, you know, take the next step. And, and again, you know, we're not sure as a viewer what stage of the dawning this actually is. Right. right? Now we, you know, we we, we kind of think this is her, her test because it's a pretty severe test, actually. Um, but anyway, they get away. Now they've got to get the prescription from the landlady. And, you know, while they're going, Lauren calls Bo and, you know, is, I don't know, you know, this is, I guess, the, the first point where Bo lies to her, you know, you know, tells her she's at the doll, some last minute training came up. But again, you feel bad for Lauren, but. Well, but, you know, why, why is she, why is she, you know, drinking? Why is she going hard like that when, yeah. you know, she, she knows she's got a, uh, uh, something to show up to, and and she's you know she's pounding back the champagne. That's and and I mean it, it, again, it's you have to understand who your girlfriend is, right? I, I mean, it's we've all, anyone in a relationship has been there where you're like, yeah. I got somewhere I want to be, or we got somewhere we want to go, and the other person is is you know messing all up because they're they're well, late. yeah, but I, but it would also be as if like you know if you're you know, your significant other was, you know, a high-profile politician or a high-profile athlete or musician, you know, somebody, you know, that's really above the norm. There there, there is a certain amount of of Lauren has to go to the program here and and realize that Bo is not out partying. She's not out going crazy or playing squash or something. I don't know why I said that, but just, you know, she's, she's, freaking helping a girl she's trying to save hannah so right which begs the question why does she lie to her yeah i, I don't know so that that's yeah. well, now clearly she's not gonna you, clearly she's not gonna make it in time right. we know that i, just, I love how um, like boss x was like oh yeah. 15 minutes well 40 minutes 40 minutes yeah you remind me uh a, an hour an tops hour, an hour, hour and a half tops yeah uh but Last last summer, a buddy of mine from from Buffalo uh, came down here, and um, you know, we're uh, we're driving around. Every time he's like, "Well, how how long will it take to get there?" And I was like, oh, "About twenty minutes." He's like, "Is is like everything freaking twenty minutes from your house, man?" It's just like, it's just like, yeah, twenty minutes, twenty minutes, twenty minutes. Yeah, it might take us forty, but I always said twenty minutes. Yeah, just like, yeah. 
Well, they're going to Brazenwood, which was a great name for a, you know, for a dark and lawless territory where the fringes of society, lost souls, and criminally inclined go to live and die, which is how Tamsin describes it. And even she, badass that she is, is reluctant to go to Brazenwood. Yeah, if, if there's a, a place where uh, the Tamsin is reluctant to go to, that's probably a pretty nasty place. Yep. So, uh, but we do find out, um, you know, that, and now I, I'm trying to remember, I, I didn't, is it Tamsin that says to her that you lie to her constantly? Uh, I believe so, yes. Not the healthiest of relationships as far as I can see. So, you know, it, just this whole, you know, again, part of this episode's thematic uh, center, you know, revolves around that that relationship and the fact that you know Bo and Bo says I'm a I'm a terrible girlfriend and you know that's debatable. I mean, she again, just like we were saying a few minutes ago, she is who she is, and is she going to have to work on some things? Yeah, of course. You know, is Lauren going to have to be more understanding? Yeah, of course. But you know, I, the question will be, can they work right. it out? And, and, and you know, relationships are always. They're a challenge, right? Yes, they are. Challenge. So, all right. Well, we get the landlady with the Mad Hatter hat, <laughs> yeah. and that was, uh, you know, the first round. I'm thinking like, oh, I know you haven't seen it yet, but oh, once upon a time, you know, Mad Hatter, because that's a, it's a big time port, uh, uh, yeah, time portal device that's used uh, okay. in Once Upon a Time. I kind of thought she was looking like Slash from Guns N' Roses. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely cool. Yeah, though. yeah. That's um, you, you, well. You gotta have a certain degree of confidence to be rocking that look. Yeah, yeah. So she draws, you know, plays the card, and, and again, you gotta love it. She puts down two cards, tells Bo to check, uh, choose one. She takes one off the top of the right. deck. It doesn't matter though. And t- right, Tamsin reacts shit. And then, of course, every card that she turns yeah, over the is wanderer. the wanderer. Yeah. Right, and, and you start to think that it's some sort of scam, but then you see that the She's landlady. Like, Who is are upset. you? Yeah. Right. So that's um, that's spooky, man. Yeah, uh, the whole card thing. Tarot cards are spooky. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Actually, I'm they freak so, me so out. Like I've a, never, yeah. I've never like done tarot or anything like that. I've just seen them. Like, I, it's probably because I think I've seen people actually with them, but I've never done it. It just freaks me out way too much, man. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just, they're scary. They freak me out. They scare me. I don't like it. I had a roommate in college whose girlfriend was a witch. So oh, yeah, she was into she was into that stuff. Yeah, and also smashing her car into the back of his car yeah. in the middle of the night. But uh, it's another story. All right. Anyway, uh, so they pay for the prescription <laughs> with a hanky soaked with Hannah's tears. Right. All right. So, all right. So then we come through, well, and, we and again, that the whole that, that stuff has like street value. Yeah, yeah. yeah as a drug. Yeah. That's what I meant which, by street value. Yeah, which Hannah. Kind of alludes to, but uh, you know where she says my tears, you know, make people happy. But I'm sure she doesn't, you know, see it as it really sure. probably is. But uh, you know, we've got the w- the gatekeeper, and and again, you love the image of the gatekeeper. I mean, we see that, <laughs> you know, at you know from Saint Peter. If we're going to use you know Christian imagery, yeah. uh, but to, it's, this guy was like really he was awesome. <laughs> it's <was> bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, at first, you know, Bo just wants to go in, and she, you know, and, and like the scene, you know, she puts out her hand, and, you know, hey, thanks for going this far. I know you said you weren't going to go any farther, and, 
you know, Tams is like, come on, let's go. But uh, they, you know, have to read the fortune cookie, and that's what gets him to open the uh, the gate. And uh, thanks her for going this far. And she says, when have you ever believed anything I've said? Right. And I think it's at this point, you know, they make a great team. They're, yeah, no question about it. I mean, they really do. I mean, just the, uh, you know, the 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 way they play off each other, the, you know, the just the, I don't know, the, the hard edge that that Tamsin has. I mean, obviously not that Bo's a pushover, right? But no, uh, they they they, they uh, yeah, Tamsin is is awesome, and uh, her and Bo together are pretty because Hams Ham Tamsin is like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd call her flat out callous, but you know, she's pretty hardcore. She's pretty tough. You know? Yeah, she's more and, of the and, and suck kind of, it up. You know, she's like you know, kind of old school coach. You know, stop bitching, suck it up, let's go. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you mentioned a few minutes ago. I mean, it, it, clearly, there's something we're going to learn that's made her this way. You know, that that there is something that has has hurt her. That that you know as as uh, Stella tells Kenzie, you know, that, that there's something that scarred you. Right. And we don't know what it is yet. Well, anyway, the, uh, you know, the machine that Trick and Stella are operating on, you know, when they pour something in, obviously it affects Bo. And now they pour in uh, her least favorite drink, but it's still alcoholic. She's drunk. And, you know, again, here's, here's kind of a, a point of debate. I mean, I've always thought that, you know, when people are drunk, they generally say things that they believe to be true. Sure, in vino veritas, right? Okay, right. And, you know, uh, she mentions that she knows Dyson has his love back, but does he love me? Yeah, well, which is because it's so funny because, like, last podcast, we're sitting here debating over how she's going to find out this big dramatic moment. And what happens? She gets, like, secondhand drunk on and blurts it out that she knows. It's like, oh, right. there goes my theory out the window. <laughs> you know? yep. Like, oh, we spend you know so much time like talking about how she's going to find out and what the ramifications are, are going to be. Like, oh, she already knew. And then you think about, it, you're like, well, of course she already knew. Like, she'd have to be a, a moron not to have noticed, right? So okay. she's known all along. She's probably known for ages, but just hasn't said anything because Dice is not saying anything, so she's not saying anything. So you know, it's just. But why does she care? Well, because she still she cares, right? I mean, they, they it's not like they didn't have anything. There, okay. there was there, so she so she loves Dyson. I mean, the, you know, it's I, I, see. I mean, that's in, that's in, in, I, in the uh, as they would say and continue. It's complicated. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now you know, but does he love me? And 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 I love Tamsin's reaction. The guy's just moony crazy for you. You know, I love some of her yeah. fra- phrasing. Uh, and then she tells her, "You just suck at reading yeah. people." Yeah. And well, that, that's only you know, the second Bo- best line she has because Bo goes, "I can't be drunk, not here." And Tamsin goes, "No shit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was dying. I was like, "That is." I mean, that's so her. You know, like she's just so, like, just you know, pragmatic well, and just yeah. you know. Well, well, and to take it a step further, you know, while she's still drunk. Uh, Lauren calls her again and, you know, and understandably, look, I mean, you're supposed to be going with me to this event and, you know, we're horribly late. What's the deal? Are you coming? Well, now they're both drunk and Bo tells her that, 
you know, hey, I deal with life and death situations, and you deal with what? Petri dishes? Yeah, that was nice. And, well, and, and it really, you see Lauren, I mean, she really sobers up in a hurry. You know, and it really, it, it cuts to, I'm not a big fan of this phrase, but cuts to the quick. And, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, you feel horrible for her. Yeah, well, I actually have in my notes. I says, I kind of feel sorry for Lauren, but I also kind of think she's a tool at this point. Like, I, you know, at this point, how she's acting with the, you know, like getting all hammered and then calling Bo all the time. It's just like, especially like I, when you see it from like Bo's perspective, we know what she's going through and we know that this is a pretty tight situation she's in. We tend to see Lauren's situation as kind of being a little petty. You know, and, and her attitude is, you know, like, why aren't you here for me? I, I get it. I do. I totally get it. We've all been there like that. But on the other hand, in the bigger picture, like what Bo's doing is pretty important right now. Yeah. But to be fair, does Lauren know that it, it, it's begun? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she but, doesn't I mean, necessarily. You got, you, got, you got to know that that's that's part of it, right? That that is a possibility. That I know she's in the dawning, and so what she's doing right. now, if she's out doing something that's important, it's not because she doesn't love me. You know, that's like the insecurity talking there, right? You say, "Oh, right, she's sure. not here because she doesn't love me." No, she's not here because she's doing something that's very important, and she's she's right. upset that she's not here with you, but she realizes that. What she has to do is more important than her personal life. Yeah. Yeah. And so. so there you go. All right. Well, they find what they're after. They get Hannah, who turns out to be a squonk. squonk. Um, love it. Love the, you know, love the words we've talked about. Yes. Um, the earlier training with the cricket comes in handy. Right. And, you know, she makes the unexpected choice and kills the guy Whitman. who's. Yes, who's really behind her, uh, the other two being an illusion. Um, Tamsin even tries to step in, but they, you know, they stop her. And then we've got what uh, I think we can only refer to as the kiss. Right. Or the WTF wow. moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, the first two times I watched the episode, you know, I, I wrote it off to the fact that Trick and Stella were kissing and you know, little sparks on the right. machine, which I which, which I didn't get the the first time I saw it. I didn't get that, and then you mentioned it. I watched it the second time, like, oh yeah, like right. But the machine affects, affects Bo, right? Bo didn't lean in. Bo didn't start the True. kiss. Tamsin did. So, like, it took the third time to kind of make that connection. Maybe you know, whatever. But but, so, but this yeah, is I'm also the not... third time that they've kissed. True. So they, they kissed uh, on the uh, when, when they were thought that when they were acting like teenagers. Right. They kissed when they were going to get Kenzie. And right. now this. Yeah. So, yeah. Well. So there you go. Yeah. Now, that All being right. said, I definitely don't want a relationship between Tams and Bell. <laughs> I think that would that would suck. That would destroy two independent, strong female characters that I like on their own. Yeah. Right, and I would I would much rather see them as partners, you know, in in terms right. of uh, you know crime they, solving. They can and, kiss every now and then. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, yeah, it's no. all good. All right. Well, the uh, knock on the door. You know, Lauren's like, "Where the hell have you been?" And it's uh, you know, 
good-looking male doctor who clearly knows her. She knows him and invites her out for a drink. And she Last says, you joke. know what? Yep. Oh, right. She laughs at, he laughs at the joke. Um, clearly a fan of her science. Um, and she goes and, you know, she looks happy about it. So Yeah. It could be a little bit of like, you know, screw you, Bo type thing. Yeah. But uh, I definitely but don't I, think I don't th- it's any kind of like actual – Nothing yeah, happened. There's no relationship. Right. I mean, she's she's right. a lesbian, right? Like, I mean, like that, that we've she, said this before. I mean, that her mm-hmm. she she is not showing interest in guys at all. So if all of a sudden she would be interested in a guy, it would be a little weird. Though, as the show goes, I mean, it actually like listen to the the Hex podcast today. Um, it was actually listening to an older one. Is it how like it's 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 a, a show very much centered on on sex, and there's a lot of sex in the show, but. There's no, like the sexuality is, you could either say A, not dealt with, or B, it's, it's all good. Like it's all, it's, it's like an egalitarian society. Like you could be with a woman today and a guy tomorrow and it's okay. Or a guy today and a girl tomorrow and no one even bats an eye, right? No one thinks yep. it's weird. No one thinks it's, it's abnormal that someone would that that Bo would be in one moment in a relationship with with Dyson and the next with Laurie. It's all good, right? So yeah. I, I personally take that as like I, I I think that's that's nice. I like that. I mean, that shouldn't that shouldn't that be the way we all are, right? That yeah. that we're just acceptant of of other people, no matter what their eccentricities are or, or what their what their um, how, how they are with their sexuality or even like religion or race or, you know, you put whatever face on you want. If we just accept people for who they are, then that, that I think that's kind of like what the ideal world we're looking for is right. So, yeah. well, it'll be interesting to see if, if this guy shows up again uh, as a character, uh, you know, sort of like the thing in the arrow where what's been happening over the last few episodes is that, you know, his true nature and his true, uh, you know, what it is he's really doing has been revealed to more and more yeah. people along There's the way. There's way too many people who know about him on that show, by the way. Yeah. Right. So you, so you almost like, wonder. That's, that's too much. That's too <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah. We went too far. To kill Tommy. But, uh, you know, so, so you wonder if this guy's going to, you know, if this was a one-off with him or, or maybe he'll, you know, be uh, like Nate. You know, sort of, you know, and, and again, not necessarily that, that Lauren's going to have a romantic relationship with him because I don't think she will, but but just a professional relationship, but that, you know, he'll keep coming close to learning about the Fae society. But all right. So anyway, they reach the end of the game. Uh, Balzac tells her that uh, tells Isabeau that she's officially invited to the dawning. May her destiny be of her own choosing. Um you know, she goes back to the apartment. Tamsin, you know, follows her back. And uh, here's to your dawning. May you not die. If I was a gambling woman, my money would be on you. So, you know. Yeah. And then, I mean, that, that, and that the last scene in that with the, uh, the cards raining down yeah. on her and they all are the wanderer. And she's like, you know, um, you know, no, 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 please tell me she's not the one. I mean, that's. I was like, wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. But the, who's the one or what's the one? Yeah, who's the one? Yeah. We, we, you know, we don't know. But this is what we've been asking for, right? We said, like, you know, get, give us some more, some larger mythology, some larger story arc. And, and now we're getting it. And that, that we have this wanderer, um, this shadowy figure that I talked about uh, the, the last podcast. And, uh, you know, he's obviously gunning for, for Bo as. Well, I mean, let's you know, let's get into ceremony now because you know, we see a little bit of of her her childhood here in this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all so right, this episode ceremony, nine, Lost Girls, season three, yep. episode nine, written by yep. James Thorpe, who did Confession, and directed by Lee Rose, who did Truth and Consequences and Masks. So, very strong team here, writing directing team. All right, so we got a lot going on in this a episode. Ton. Uh, yeah. So, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, we already kind of talked about the that kind of shocking first scene there. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the questions that comes up in this episode is, what's a dream, and not even so much what's a dream, what's fantasy, and what's real, but whose dream, whose fantasy is it? So, the opening scene, whose whose fantasy well, is that? Well, we learn later it's, that it's Dyson's. Okay. How do we learn that? Because later on, they, when they're back in, in that, that fantasy, and she starts to, she, she keels over, and she's starting to, like, the dawning is starting to affect her. And Dyson's right, like, grabbing her okay, stomach. you told like, me she wouldn't be hurt, you know, because, like, the, the caretaker says, I can, I can hook you up with a nice illusion, and she won't get hurt, and she won't even know. And so, obviously, okay. Dyson... Did that, you know, said, all right, okay. cool, hook me up. But then when she starts to get hurt, then he says, all right, call it off now and everything. So he breaks character then. Okay. Um, so uh, now what about the scene uh, where Bo and Lauren are the uniformed police officers? Yeah. Is that, is that her that, fantasy? That, that, that's uh, an Bo's? excellent question. But, you know, it, it's, I don't know if it's interesting. I mean, it's notable that they're broken up. In that one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. And that Bose apparently got a male, I was going to say a male boyfriend, uh, a boyfriend. Right. Although, and his name is Jason. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's just like that whole, in, in, in the, that, that fantasy realm, like everything is upside down. Yeah. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Dyson's a doctor and Lauren's a cop. Yeah. yeah, it's just everything is just topsy turvy. It's just uh, all weird. Yeah, it, it, that right. I mean, um, Bo says, "Can't you just be happy for me?" And and uh, uh, you know, they they find out that her witness has cold feet. Well, is this like a reference to Bo having cold feet? You know, committing full on to Lauren. Well, you know? and, yeah, and there's. Uh... There's the whole thing about like the family, you know, like as as Kenzie's character is yeah. being the the person that can take down the family, and you're like, yeah, like whoa, because, what's uh, yeah, like okay, yeah, she's uh, and, and, and that photo, the photo she shows, yeah. Now, is that supposed to be? Uh, uh, I think Aoife? it's supposed to be Aoife. Yeah, because it, I mean, I, I would the first time I saw it, I was like. Who? What? Who's that? But then, when we see Aoife uh, later on, when she's stealing a bow, right? That—that's like how she, how the person in the photo looks like. 
Uh, so right. I don't know for sure, but I think it's supposed to be Aoife. But you know, the first time we see it is in the in the bar when they first in the, right, and she's like the little Saint Pauli girl. Right, in the, right, right. So you know, apparently she's the key to taking down the family, and uh, you know that that's that's why because again we're talking about like the the whole her father is definitely approaching. There's no question. I mean, you might as well say now that 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 prediction's panned out for me, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're definitely going to see your dad. I don't know if we're going to see. And we did see Aoife, by the way. I predicted that. Yeah. So it was, it's not necessarily as I thought it was going to be a lot sooner, but yet we have seen Aoife again. So cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but so, so, yeah, I mean, it's just like this, this whole thing is, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And it's just pregnant with, with stuff that we have no idea what it means now. But mm. when we go back and watch it after, after episode 13, we're going to be like, oh, you know, I mean, I think we're going to look back at, at that point, all the things that are happening in the temple. And by the last episode, we're going to be like, all that stuff is totally going to like now. We'll be like, it's, it's going to be like all these aha moments, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, what about the scene early on when Dyson shows up at Lauren's and he's delivering some files and she says, hey, you could have just sent a messenger over. And why does he show up there? I mean, does he, you know, I, I mean, I look at this as a genuine scene. I mean, I've read a lot of things out there, you know, in some of the forums that, that uh, you know, really, you know, bashing Dyson for his, you know, role in this episode. And, and some of it, you know, probably deserved. But, you know, in this scene, I mean, he really does seem pretty no, genuine I, to me. I mean, maybe I'm being naive. I, I mean, I don't think you are. I, th- I think that, that's definitely how they, they, they played it as Dyson. Yes, he could have had to learn, but he came by because he wants to tell Lauren, listen, you're good. I, I, I'm happy for you too. You know? And, right. and, 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 but it's also, I, I think also to reassure her because she's got doubts that Bo's going to survive. Uh, Yeah. That, true, true. You know, yeah, there, there is know, that. He tells her, you know, you just have to have faith, you know, and, and that, you know, and then, like you said, he's happy that she and Bo are in such a good place. So, you know, I'm, you know, I felt pretty good about that scene. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was a nice scene, and you know, I, I, right again, I, I thought it was it was genuine. I don't think Dyson is there to work any kind of agenda or anything, except for just to tell Lauren. You, you just you don't have anything to worry about for me. I'm 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 out. I'm stepping back. I'm out of it, and I'm, I'm happy for you too. Yeah, and, and that, um, that's possible. Like if you love someone, you're you have you know you're you're willing to say to let them have their freedom, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we've said, said a lot that yeah, <laughs> it's a lot about choice. And okay, pr- probably the most impressive scene in the entire episode takes place early on when Kenzie and Bo are chasing down that, uh, what is he, an Uggla or something? Uh, yeah, I got down there somewhere. Did, right. did you see the heels that Kenzie was wearing? Uh, I didn't. Oh, my. Okay. You know what? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm bowing to anybody that could run in heels <laughs> that high and not A, fall down, B, break your ankle. Whew, I don't know. Um. Okay, but the, the whole choice, right? The the ugly is there to lead her to the warehouse, right. where uh, Stella has assembled very a, attractive, people. right? 
And okay, here you go. So feed or don't feed, kill or don't kill. And despite the fact that she's trying to assure Bo that if you don't do this, you're going to fail and you're essentially going to, you know, not die, but become under Faye. She says, no, no, I'm done killing for pleasure. So once again, as we said, you know, staying true to herself. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, did you see, and this was the second time, the painted on the wall, five in one? No. Okay. When she, when they, when she goes in the warehouse, it's, you know, they go in and, you know, the camera angles looking at the door and you see to the right of the door, you know, spray painted in, you know, like, uh, you know, street art, five in one. And we saw that uh, when they were at Brazenwood and I believe it was when they went to the apothecary that it was like painted on like a, there was just kind of, you know, how Ooh. junk was just sitting out everywhere. Right. And it was like painted on a window. So huh. I don't know. And, and That's I tried an awesome to see if I, door song, by the way. What, five yeah. and one? You ever heard it? Okay. Oh, no. That's awesome. All right. Uh, five well, anyway, one, what is it? Baby, one in five. No one here gets out alive. Yeah. So that. Well, can you tie can you tie it into Lost Girl? Um, no, well, it's kind of talking about like revolution and stuff, but so not really. It's just a really good song. Yeah. It, it, it well, was the the title of the uh, biography that Danny Sugarman wrote about Jim Morrison. That when I was okay. in high school, like was like required reading. Like everyone had, it. if you wanted to be cool, you had to have "No One Here Gets Out Alive" in your backpack. Okay. Did you have I, it? Totally. And okay. I got to see uh, Dave Sugarman speak, too, when I was in college. He right. was pretty cool. Well, this is the first phase of her dawning. And, you know, Bo says to Stella, you are so evil. And Stella comes back that, and, and this is kind of, again, my line of thinking. I'm the only one who acknowledges that you're a succubus. But. She's got, you know, she got a valid Bo point sa- there. But Bo says later in the episode, uh you know, when she's trying to get, you know, I guess when she's either, I can't remember if she's already found the key or there's always another way, right? There's never just one way. Right. And that's, that's how, how Bo rolls for sure. I mean, that's like her, yeah. the, the, the whole way she's gone with this is like, you know, following convention and rules is that's, that, that's not always a good thing. You know, the, yeah, there's yeah. A, an unconventional way of doing things. And oftentimes that is the morally correct way of doing it as well. Yeah. Now the other thing in this episode that was just awesome was we've got Kenzie back, you know? Yeah. And we missed her. It, yeah. And it's Kenzie. And, and, and this scene, you know, at the warehouse with Stella was, I, I guess, you know, that's Kenzie The you know, telling her, you know, there's never, you know, never been humans at a dawning and uh, that if she doesn't feed, she's going to die. And, and, and Kenzie says, you know, I thought I would get tired of seeing Bo triumph time after time. But, you know, I haven't. Yeah. And yeah. But then she starts to think, you know, that that whole what happens to cats when their owners die? So, you know, she she is. But I just I thought it was you know, so sad that she said that yeah. because is that. You know, I, I don't, I, is that really how you think about yourself? You know, like that's, that's crazy because if, if that is how she thinks about it, so that's, that's totally sad. 
like as, as yeah. like a pet. Like you're not a pet, Kenzie. You're her. You're her friend. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and I I know what you're saying, and I'm not, but I'm not sure she, you know, I mean, maybe it was just a bad analogy on her part. Um, you, you have to pick your analogies, man. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, it's certainly the Fay term is that she's been adopted by a human, of course. I mean, adopted by uh, a Fay, but you know, certainly we could, they could adopt humans as well. But anyway, um, uh. And this is when Stella leans in and tells Kenzie that your scars are so deep. And then she whispers something in her ear that we that we later learn is just really something to upset right. Kenzie. She that, tells her like what what happens if you know, yeah if your your face sponsor um, dies, but right. But but all right, like, well, like Stella when they, when they do things like that, where you like you know like there's that. You know, ambiguity there as, as to what's going on, like, and, um, you know, what, when a, you know, a character like whispers something and you don't know what they whisper and you never really find out and everything. I was kind of bummed when they actually kind of said what, Told what us, she said because yeah. I was like, I prefer you just leave it ambiguous and then you could, you know, fill in the blanks with whatever on the later episode, but right. But then it did lead to the, you know, the, the, the scene with Trick, you know telling her that he thinks of her as family, which is kind of odd in that just a couple episodes ago, you know, he was basically. Yeah. He he locked her up. Right. Right. And that the line that, you know, Kenzie's human and. Oh, oh, right, right, right. That. Yeah. When he, uh, and really doesn't have a place. Yep. So So, it's it's funny because I guess when you move from writer to writer, sometimes you get these changes. And and certainly, I mean, we'd said a couple, or at least I had said, like, I was starting to really not like Trick as a character. And then he's Mm -hmm. totally back. This this episode, he was so back. And he was, like, back to being uh, the Trick from late season one, season two, the the mentor, the the caring elder statesman, the the guy helping out, uh, you know. And we, we haven't really seen that uh, that much this, this season. Yep. All right. Well, now we're at the point which is arguably the most controversial scene in, some would say, the entire season, uh, but certainly in, in episode nine. And that is when, uh, you know, she, the dawning is beginning. Uh, she's told she can choose a weapon, but she's got to choose a side which she refuses to do and everybody's, you know, telling her that, you know, that's not what you want to do. You don't want to go in unarmed. Dyson steps forward and offers himself as the hand, which, you know, I mean, we, we pretty much know what that's going to. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of know what it's going to entail, but we don't know like the full implications of it until later. Right. Right. And, Everybody agrees, and what you said, you know, I didn't catch it the first time, and you mentioned when we talked earlier in the week that, you know, uh, you know, Trick's encouraging her to accept Dyson's offer, but who well, else? Well, no, because no one, no one says anything, right? Like, like he says, I'm, I'm going to be the hand, and and uh trick just says basically well it's been offered you know so like basically if it's right. out on the table it can't be rescinded and okay. so you know Bo, but it Bo doesn't have to be around. accepted he's like well is this a good idea and who chimes in super quickly is lauren yes right. 
you know, like, like almost, I thought like, like too quickly. Right. Because obviously trick knows the implication of him, him offering. And Stella knows but, for sure. And Stella and knows, does and, Lauren. And, and I'm, I'm, based on her, if you look, cause Lauren is in the background when Dyson says, I offer myself his hand and you look at her and she, her, like she, she gets like a shock expression on her face. And so you're like, well, Lauren totally knows what that means as well. So when she jumps in and says, oh yes, you know, yes, he should definitely be here. Like I, I'm very suspicious of that. Yeah. So, all right. She asked Dyson, you know, uh, you know, basically, you know, whether he's up to something and, you know, anyway, long story short, she, she accepts and, uh, you know, they disappear through some sort of portal, end up in the doll, which is the same yet different. Right. And what's the song that's playing? Uh, it's The Wanderer. Yeah, Wanderer by Dia, right. All right. Um, so here's, all right, you want a prediction? Yeah. The caretaker's both dead. Oh, uh, you expect that one? Yeah, no, I just came up with that the all. other night because it just like it's like he when that song's playing, it's like it's in proximity to to him entering, and the whole thing is like he's like I'm here uh, because of a woman, like I'm here for the same reason, just like yeah, I I don't know, I'm throwing it out there because I just started thinking that I, I know it's kind of crazy, I'm not sure how committed I am to that prediction. I'm like, well, see now he said now he says he came there with another. So did he come there when uh, Aoife went through her? Yeah. Okay. That, that's what I'm she... thinking. It has something to do with Aoife. Okay. And that okay. maybe he's he's her dad or something. I don't I don't know. Okay. But the story was always that she was impregnated while she was in the prison, right? When she was being yeah. in prison. Yeah, well, did, did she say she was, I, she, I don't know if she said she was impregnated there, but that she had been in that prison for like 300 years, I think she'd said. And um, and then when we met the the, uh, the the nanny who was on death row in the States. Right, um, right. I can't remember what she, you know, we learned that she was, was had, had taken Bo, uh, and, and delivered her to the humans, right? And uh, so, I. So, All right, well, anyway, we'll, 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 but yeah, yeah. We, we've gotten like just little bits and pieces of of that backstory. But uh, um, you know, the, the, you know, it's certainly why. I think we're obviously we're going to we're going to get a lot more about you know uh, Bo's origin uh, as the season continues. Okay, so the uh, so they you know they meet the caretaker. The caretaker tells them, "Until you find the keys in hand, you won't go anywhere." Well, you know, I think most viewers probably pick the okay uh, key in hand. Okay, something to do with Dyson being the key, or the key is literally in him, and and yeah, which is yeah, obviously have to cut it out or there. whatever. But yeah, um, so then we got the scene where where Kenzie tells Trick that the Kitsu told her that she could be Fay. And then, you know, that's when, you know, that, that he's like, yeah, yeah, kind of. Maybe not. But it was, but, it was uh, a very we, nice scene, though. Right. Nice scene where he tells her that, you know, if it came to that, he would, he would claim her. Um, but, you know, part of the problem in, you know, in this episode, I think, comes back to 
Dyson offering himself as the hero, you know, as if Bo can't do it on her own. And I mean, I think, you know, of just about everything in this episode, that's probably the, the thing we need to talk about the most. So, that, I mean, is it, is it a bad thing that he offers himself as, as hand as hand? Well, I mean, I mean the, no, <laughs> you no. know, he's sacrificing himself for a friend, uh, okay. a, a ex lover, someone he loves. Uh, so that's not bad. I think most people call that heroic. Um, but again, you know, I guess the, the other option, well, people might be like, well, why doesn't Lauren get to offer herself up or something like that? You know, why doesn't Lauren get to be the big, uh, sacrificial hero? And that's, you know, I guess fair enough is, is that though, I mean, as not, I mean, this is where we're here. Like Lauren's not Faye. Like, I mean, like within the context of the story, no matter what we want to happen within the context of the story, there's certain things that can happen because Lauren's a human, you know? So, right. And, I guess when you look at it, though, what does Dyson do while they're in the other world that Lauren couldn't have done? I mean, okay, he steps in front of that monster and he gets, you know, his gets slashed, chest yeah. slashed, yeah. but, you know, he didn't fight him off or he anything. He kind of dies. Yeah, he kind of <laughs> dies, um, but he's brought back. But but you know what I'm getting at? So so the conflict becomes between, you know, the, the people that see this scene as uh, – Dyson making the statement that Bo can't do it without him. Right. Okay. Or the people, like you just said, and I tend to agree that, you know, when did sacrificing yourself for somebody that you love become a bad thing? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think that's been traditionally seen as noble, but I see both sides. Yeah, true. And, uh, and there's a basic thing. Like, I mean, how how believable would it be for the general audience to, to say that a human could get into the temple, right? I mean, well, right. In that case, right. There's, I mean, there's, I don't. There's just, there's just no, so. I mean, just as basic storytelling narrative, it couldn't happen. And, and yeah, like we said, yeah. Why is why is it the bad thing that that he is is one of the sacrifices? Why is it the bad thing that he does this? There's you know. Right. I mean, to be. I mean, look. To be. To be fair, if we're going to send a human in with Bo. She stands a much better chance with Kenzie at her side than Lauren. Yeah. You know, I mean, in this kind of, although I'm saying that thinking that it's necessarily going to be a physical encounter when it could have ended up being an intellectual account encounter. Then and then you and, would need Lauren there, right? And then you might need but Lauren. But the point is, because, yeah. you know, Dyson is the one who went in and, and that's, that's it. Right. So... All right. Um, well, anyway, the the other thing is, you know, that came up is that the you know, and, and in fact, she vocalizes the uh, the the fear that it's a suicide mission he's on, and well, of course, this comes on the heel of him telling her that he loves her, and then her reaction was that so hard to right. say, right, and then. She questions him about whether it's some sort of suicide mission, and he says, "I would have, you know, she would have done the same for him," which is true. Totally true. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And and then I, I love. I'm just a wolf standing in front of a succubus, asking her. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. I meant to punch. look that up. I know that's from and that's then, from a movie. 
Yeah. You look uh, up either. Yeah, and then punches him in his wound. Is that like Harry you know? Sally, like one of those Tom Hanks? Yeah, it sounds like it, but... Uh, or Toby and, was it? Was it? No. Are, are you Googling it while we're... No. Okay, too, well, anyway, I'm, lazy I'm sure... Right now. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> listen, you know, anybody that cares already knows. Um, but anyway, um, the whole idea that by him putting himself in what he knows is a suicide mission, that now she's going to have to live with the guilt of him doing that. And I'm sorry, but I don't buy that. I mean, I think anybody that has somebody sacrifice for them, I mean, look, clearly they're going to feel bad. They're going to question, you know, was I worthy of somebody doing that for me? I mean, that that's natural. But, you know, to, to say that, he shouldn't have done it because now she's going to have to live with the guilt. Well, then that goes back to the, you know, then, well, then I guess nobody should ever sacrifice themselves for somebody they love because then that person yeah. that survives right. is going that's to crazy. And it's absurd. By the way, right. it's that's from crazy. Notting Hill, which I, oh, would, that's would an awesome movie. With, uh, that one. I did see that. I mean, I like, that was pretty oh, yeah. Movie. Hugh Grant and uh, Julia Roberts. Julia. Yeah. yeah nice. And just a girl saying right. from a boy asking him to love right. her. Yeah. Now I kind of remember that. Now. And what's, and his roommate, what sports movie was he in? Uh, he was the kicker in the replacements. Oh, the replacements, right? Yeah. Which stars arguably the finest actor of our generation, Keanu Reeves. Oh, I thought you were right. going to say Kathy Ireland. Uh, no, that was a different sports no. movie. She was oh, also a kicker in that movie. Right? right? I'm thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're That's right. with our time traveler as the quarterback. You're right. Right. Scott Bakula is the quarterback for that one. Yeah. All right. Anyway, say rough. Um, right. Uh, yes. Was that one? Right, so fans, he was who? Who's great? He was actually uh, in. Uh, I still haven't seen. Uh, have you seen Anonymous? Well, of course you haven't. <laughs> the uh, the Anonymous that was like the movie supposed to uh, you know big the big, big movie about how the Earl of Oxford was really wrote all the uh, Shakespearean plays. Not and Will not. Shakespeare was just a beard. Okay. Like, Reese Ivans no. played the uh, played Earl of Oxford. Oh, Edward right. Devere. All right. Um, it's totally like that said nothing to do with anything at all. How the hell did we get on that one? All right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, anyway, the last, uh, you know, scene of that scene is, you know, she says, all right, asshole. So what happens now? And then nothing but ask me again in a hundred years when things are different. <laughs> and see, that's, you know, show you. that's, that's where his mindset's at. Right. 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 And is that just pragmatic? I mean, look, I mean, you know, in a hundred years, he and Bo are going to probably still look the same. Sure. Well, he's 1500 years old and, yeah. <laughs> you know, he looks like, you know, like in his mid thirties. So I think uh, another hundred years, what, what is that? That's, that's yep. nothing. All right. Drop in the bucket. Now, now, uh, Great scene. Bo drives up to a suburban house, and her next door neighbor is out trimming her rose yeah. bushes. Uh, awesome, dressed as a uh, you know little uh, like the, preppy. The, yeah, the tennis clothes. Do you notice her hands? Yeah, all blood yeah. all over them. Yeah, yeah. and she, yeah. Uh, you know what she said, right? It's a nice day for a wander. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then so she go. Bo goes in the house. Dyson in blue scrubs. As a uh, yeah, again, the doctor. whole world turned upside down thing. Yeah, yeah, 
and he's brought home Indian food, which I was trying to figure out if that was significant, but I don't know, probably not. Um, The good housekeeping type, it wasn't good housekeeping, but it was something like that. It's got the photo of, it looked like, again, is that Aoife again? Oh. On the cover. Yeah. I'm getting slow in my old age, man. I'm missing all this stuff. But. But even more importantly, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen enough references there. That, but he asks her if she's been taking her meds. And we learn that she's been apparently taking antipsychotics that he's prescribed right. for Well, her. we saw that when she was a, a cop, she was taking the yeah. meds back then, too. Right. So, what, you know, what, what's, what do they represent? Um, well, I, th- I know, think I mean, it's, it, it's her connection to the illusion, to the, the, the world of the temple that... That Dyson's created here, okay. which is just going to engineer to, you know, it's, he, this is where Dyson is, you know, fairly selfish actually here. And we talk about the sacrifice, but then when push comes to shove, what does he do? Well, he creates this little fantasy world to keep her there. Right. You know? and, and the gatekeeper even mentions that to him that, you know, now that he's going to be trapped there, that, you know, he can create any kind of an illusion he wants. Yeah, totally. By the way, which again, at this point, I need to say once again, Dave, that you must watch Inception. Yeah, because okay. this is totally, that, that was just, I was like, ah, I remember, I was like, this is so Inception right now, like, you know, creating the whole uh, fantasy world, the world within the world and everything like that. Uh, and, and and then the question of, you know, what is real? Do we stay here? Do we do we go? Do we tr- attempt to find reality? It was, like, awesome. Loved it. All right. Well, um, uh, oh, we cut back to Bo, you know, in that white satin nightgown again, and, and that's the... Uh, you know, she sees uh, a man holding a ba- holding and singing to a baby. She recognizes the song and starts singing it along. And obviously, we know. And and she reinforces it for her when she says "Dad," right? And uh, tells the woman that if Isabeau ever needs anything, let him know. Which kind of implies that he's not planning on hanging around. Well, I just as I mean, obviously, uh, they're affluent. Like it's very you know wealthy looking room, and so mm-hmm. you know, especially. I mean, it's just hard to say what when it was. I mean, I guess, yeah, you know, we're still not a hundred percent certain on on Bo's age. I guess, right? I mean, we know that she. I, 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 I mean, I guess she's like thirty years old, right? I mean, we know she's thirty yeah, years think, old th- now, but is she thirty thirty years old? So, but so let's go with that. But I mean, obviously, her parents are well off, and so he's got like a, a nanny to take care of. He's got no pair or whatever. Someone to care for the kids because he's you know probably an important man a wealthy man and so he goes in uh and kisses dark at night puts her to bed and, and then has the need to watch over right but why does he have the baby rather than the mother because the mother's in jail okay so or not but, in jail but I mean, he's got his mother locked up down in his oubliette or dungeon or whatever right but clearly she's gotten out or is this just still part of somebody's fantasy yeah. Oh, right. Because oh, that's a good right. Because she gets right. out and she cuts she cuts the au pair's yeah, right, right. Yeah. throat right. and, and takes, takes the baby. baby and says something like, "He's not going to have you." Or right. Yeah. You know, I, 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 like from that, that I, I assume that Afa uh, escaped and uh, you know grabbed Bo and was able to deliver the bow to uh, you know the other the midwife or the other lady who then you know takes her to the humans. 
Right, and I assume we'll maybe even see that somewhere down the road. I think um, so, yeah. All right, so Bo uh, tells Dyson she's pregnant. You know, she's got the pain. Uh, and then he starts to snap out of the fantasy world and realize, you know, that this isn't real, that she's devolving, and that he, you know, starts putting everything together. And, and he knows what's got to be done, hands her the knife, and tells her, don't worry, it's not real, just stab me. And, you know, what's not real? You know, she keeps, you know, she's crying, it's not real. So what's not real? Right. Well, I think he, he told her what she needed to believe in order to do what had to be done, okay. I think, is, is basically. I mean, he knew that he was going to die and that, you know, that in order for her to move on, that she had to get, you know, the key and that the key was in him and all that. Everything, so. Okay. Well, could it be that they're, it's their love that's not real? Or do uh, we... Possibly, sure. Okay. I mean, at this point, I mean, it seems... Well, I think she's just, she's, she's as someone faced with trauma would naturally do is try to, first of all, deny that it's actually happening. Yeah. Like people say, no, no, no. And, or, you know, this isn't real or this, this isn't happening when it, it is. But our first reaction is, please let it not be, you know, let, let, let it be all made up. Let it be uh, an illusion. And, and that I'll just snap out of it. I'll be back and everything will be fine. Like it was before. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you know, he's dead. Uh, The gatekeeper tells her, ah, I didn't think you had it in you. Now you can go. And she starts to try to take Dyson with her. He tells her, no, that's not the way it works. And then she, again, makes the connection between the symbol on her forehead. Right. Right. And she paints in Dyson's blood, you know, that symbol that opens up another portal. Yeah, that's, that, and, that's totally, that's like supernatural. That's right from the show yeah. Supernatural. They're always like, you know, drawing symbols on things and like pushing them to like either get rid of demons or angels or move to another place. So, All right. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, they end up back in the doll. She's, you know, distraught because Dyson's dead, although now he's not bleeding, right? There, you know, so there's right. clearly no wound. He's just, he's just dead. He's He's just dead. Uh, Lauren comes in and, and performs CPR for about 11 seconds and then gives up. <laughs> and uh, then it's, She's really not a good doctor, Dave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was Wayne that time. <laughs> uh, but then she goes all and, – and, and I – you know, I, somebody used this, this term on the, some forum I read somewhere. Super succubi. Okay. And does the – I know you haven't seen Stargate. But uh, Stargate SG one, the uh, you know uh, Apophis, who's one of the one of the bad aliens, ha- has that kind of a voice. Uh, you know, I will reign as he did, for I am his daughter. Together we will rival the masters and ride them to victory. Give them death or fear us. Only I will choose who lives. Which, you know, pretty heady stuff. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier. In, in the podcast about, you know, the lack of a deity. I mean, this is very godlike. Yeah, for sure. Or, or at least, you know, uh, uh, God belief like. You know. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, you know, for I am his daughter. And, yeah, very, very know. proud statement there. It's like this full of hubris. But, but yeah, um, she's, uh, yeah, she totally like has that, she goes to that other place, um, 
like she did at the end of season two as well. It's, yeah, it's the right. same thing. And uh, so, you know, again, we, we get this concept of her, you know, her father is pretty, probably pretty bad news. And that should she team up with her dad, then that's going to be really, really bad news. Yeah. So, and it goes back to the question, you know, it, it, do we, I don't think we know at this point whether her father was light or dark, right? But I think the, the person who captured Aoife was Dark Fae because okay. it was the war, right? Oh, uh, okay. And, so and then he we would, captured right. her. I, I'm pretty sure uh, okay. that, that he was Dark Fae. But is that dude her father? Because that we don't know. Right. I know it, it's right. looking more and more like, yeah, it, he totally was. But we're, we're not for shizzles on that one. Right, right. So, uh, all right. So anyway, Bo does the cheese suck. And, and the cheese space. And right, D brings Dyson back to life, which, you know, again, I mean, it's like, you know, each time something like this happens, her power grows. Uh, yeah, well, and, and she feels was, like, that, you know, more confident and and kind of like that she's got control over her power, which like I kind of am doubting a little bit, you know. You know whether she has power, power whether over she it, can mean? control it as, as well as she thinks she can. Okay. Um but uh, but certainly that, that I mean that was a pretty impressive move to suck chi from everyone in the room and then you know exhale it all into Dyson. That was you know, pretty sweet. Yeah, I noticed the two humans fell to the floor right. afterwards, but uh, we're no worse for wear. Um, all right, so you know again, pretty intense scene. We come back for the the final scene, Bo and Kenzie at the bar, which was like you know really. Uh, you know, just really a chance for us all to exhale after a totally intense episode. Yeah, speaking of exhaling, we have not seen Hale. Yeah. Um, he's on, what the heck show is he on? He's on, oh, the show he's on with, another uh, show. Mike, Mike with Michael Shanks. Uh, I believe it's called raising hope, which is kind of a supernatural oh, show. Uh, is that super? That's the, uh, the guy who did, uh, my name is Earl. It could be. I mean, he's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it is because he went to. Uh, he went. He. Ah, this is interesting. Uh, uh, the Greg Garcia went to Frostburg, right here in Maryland. Yeah. And okay. my buddy John from high school was like frat buddies with Greg Garcia in high school. That's just a little All connection right. thing. But so, like a lot yeah. of stuff in like my name is Earl is like Ray of of uh, Frostburg, like the bar that the Crab Shack they went out to was his place in in uh, Frostburg, like almost exactly like this place in Frostburg that they used to hang out. So, okay. anyway, well, that, you know that that show like Michael Shanks' character is a doctor apparently who who dies in an accident, and then his spirit kind of hovers over the hospital and he kind of watches over, you know, things that are going on. And I'm not sure what level of interaction he has, but I think. Uh, uh, Casey, uh, God, I can't think of, oh, I got it right here. Um, Casey Collins, who plays right. Hale, I believe he's a, he's got a recurring role uh, in that okay. show as well, but, uh, as a doctor, but anyway, anyway, uh, this will come as a total shock to you, by the way, that, uh, the, it's produced in Canada, uh, I believe CTV, but I'm not, don't hold me to that. But anyway, they renewed it for, ep for season two. Uh, it also was airing in the U.S. on NBC. Uh, NBC decided not to air the last couple episodes of season one, and they've not said yet whether they're going to pick up season two. Yeah, that's totally surprising. Yeah. 
I know. So, all right. Anyway, anyway. Uh, last, last scene, scene. Trick, Trick's opening that trunk. Yeah. Stella walks in. He's uh, you know, right, right. yeah. Wants her to come with him, you know, but he's got work to do. But the, you know, the only important thing is he opens the trunk and there's that, uh, you know, picture. You know, we're not exactly sure, you know, what what art form it is, but it's the winged black winged horse that you mentioned earlier. Right. Well, it, it, it's a black winged horse. It's not necessarily right. one that I mentioned, but uh, right. Um, and then he looks at it and says, "Not him." Right. So you know when you start. You know, adding up the pieces, uh, you know, we've got, you know, her father uh, and, uh, you know, Aifa, uh, Aifa, uh, Aifa, um, yeah, you know, all, all kinds all of, over this all episode. Kinds of stuff heading in that says this is going to be a crazy last uh, 10, 11, 12, 10, four episodes. Right, because Trick has mentioned, you know, before the the fear that her father will return because they're just he's right. just not sure. He's back. Did, you, know, did you notice at the? I don't know. Did you did you watch it on Sci-Fi? Because yeah. like right, at the, it kind of gets cut off, but right as Trick is looking, like at the very end, uh, mm-hmm. the Wanderer starts again from Dion. Oh. Like okay. at the very end of the episode, but it's like it, it kind of got cut off because they immediately started next week on you know, this is, this is power powerful Mondays or whatever they call. It. Yeah, right. So, all right. So yeah, we see that song. More wonder. Yeah, well, powerful Monday won't have continuum next week. Oh, the, see, season one's did over. Did they finish season one? Okay. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that's uh, you know quite a bit. Yeah, that's that's well, how long? We're pushing you. pushing two hours so, yeah. here. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to test the patience of probably the listeners. Test, yeah, but hopefully, right, well, hopefully it, you enjoyed it, though. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyway, let us know. Uh, you know, Sally, we're going to read the your second email next time and comment on it. Drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail dot com. You can check out the website fatalist.podbean.com and you can find us on Facebook. Wayne said he's going to post some of the links to the poems he was uh, reading earlier in the episode. And as always, you can access the podcast through iTunes. So until next time. You got a, what's that shit called? Uh, Self-talk. There you go. (laughs) Later.